Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If he means that to you tonight, would we lift our hands up towards heaven and thank him for mercies that endureth forever. Thank you for grace, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. You're better to me than I deserve. You're better to me than I deserve, Lord, and I'm grateful. Oh, what a privilege. Praise the Lord. What a privilege. Honor and a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. I don't want to ever get used to this or for this to be just some routine, but I was lost. I was lost in going to hell. And then Jesus Christ, don't care how far you've been, how low you've been, as long as there's hope, one, one preacher said, as long as there's hope, there's breath. And God can restore and lift us up. Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. And he cussed while he did it. And then 56 days later, he preached and 3,000 people got filled with the Holy Ghost. We're, we're not defined by our past. God isn't, God isn't done with us. He's a God of second chances and I'm thankful for that tonight. Praise the Lord. We're going to visit a familiar passage of scripture this evening in the book of Acts chapter two. No doubt in this house that there are many who have read this more times than they can count have heard more sermons that they can't even remember from this chapter. And so what I'll preach tonight will certainly be nothing new, but I do hope that I can remind us and refresh us, and if you allow me to use this word to motivate us. I, I, I want to be more. I, I, I want to do more. I, I want to be more, and I want to do more for the kingdom of God. We, it goes without saying the turmoil that this world is in and make no mistake about it Jesus is coming back and he's coming soon and no greater hour than to be a part of the church where we can see this outpouring of the Holy Ghost the book of Acts chapter 2 I have some lengthy reading so if you'll pray with me tonight you can be seated while I read but let's go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father how we love you and thank you for the honor and privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight Lord I don't want to take for granted the presence of the Holy Ghost that we have felt. I don't want to take for granted how you have moved in and out of our midst tonight. And so as we transition in this service and the word of the Lord goes forth, I ask that you touch our hearts and that you touch our minds and that you would lend this to our hearts, Lord. Help us to recall on you and help us to hear what thus saith the Lord. Praise the Lord in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Book of Acts chapter 2. We'll begin with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. 
filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Eliamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judah, in Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, in Phrygia, in Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya and Cyrene, in strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes. They were all kinds there. All kind of languages being spoken in other tongues. Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven. I, I want to pause right here, and I'm not preaching on this, but this is just a reminder and maybe just a little nugget that will help somebody. Oftentimes when we are witnessing or or maybe perhaps it's a Bible study, the one, I'll call it a, a debate, but the one debate that people always come back with is that was Peter's message. You know, he's just a man. That was him preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's, he's the one that just said that Acts 2.38 is what we need to do. That's Peter's plan of salvation. But I'll submit to you right here next time you find yourself in that situation, you point them to verse 14 because the word of the Lord said that standing up with the 11. So Peter had the mic. Peter had his Bible open, but there were 11 other disciples with him, 12 disciples that God had, Jesus Christ had hand chosen and left this message with. So make no mistake about it tonight. This is not Peter's doctrine. This is not Peter's plan of salvation. Peter just preached the message. This is the salvation plan from the Lord, and it's the only way. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm going to hold my title for just a little while and... Uh, We'll, we'll title it here towards the end, but I just want you to help me tonight. Will you help me preach tonight? Praise the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, as we just read, the Spirit of God had fell in the upper room. There was 120 men and women, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. We read how as of tongues of fire sat upon their heads as they began to speak uh, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that kind of power and that kind of spirit, you, you can't box it up. It can't be contained into one room. God, God's too big to be put in a box and to be allowed himself to contain. So we read where they make their way into the streets and they were so overcome and so, so heavily under the influence of the Holy Ghost that they were speaking in tongues in the streets. Now that would be similar to, say, us taking a church service and going up here to the town of Brantford and perhaps getting under the gazebo and if we begin to have church and the Spirit of the Lord fail and we begin to speak in tongues and some of us was walking down the sidewalks and walking down the street speaking in tongues, I'm confident that we'd draw a crowd. There'd be some people coming to see what's going on. And as, 
as it was then, it is today and now, and it will always be. There are different types of people that's always going to show up when God moves. You're going to have some skeptics and doubters. You're going to have some scoffers and mockers. You're going to have some people that are fearful of what's going on. And then you're going to have your religious and self-righteous that will claim we're taking it too far and that's all not necessary and you don't need to do all this to go to heaven. But thank God mixed into the crowd somewhere. There are some people that are hungry and thirsty. There are some that are looking for the real deal. And there are some that are tired of religion and tradition and they're ready to receive the power of the Holy Ghost that they see moving. I don't want you to think I'm being harsh or unkind, but in our prison ministry, I used to expend a lot of time and energy on the, the doubters, if I may say that, the critical of the religious. And, you know, I would try to convince them to seek the Lord and be hungry for the Lord and try to convince them of the goodness of God and try my best to convince them of the Acts 2.38 message, trying to get them to just stretch their minds and reach for more and become passionate for God. But with much prayer and the help of the Holy Ghost, I, I give up on that. And I begin to focus on men that perhaps they don't know a lot about the Bible. They, they don't know much about religion. They just know that they see something in our ministry team that's different. They're hungry. They're thirsty for what they see. We don't have to try and force feed people the gospel. The Holy Ghost doesn't need to be propped up. You don't have to grab nobody by the chin and say, spit it out. The Holy Ghost can do this work all by itself. It can handle any situation. It can handle any person that comes against it. We don't have to run them down to try to get them blessed. But what we must do, we must preach and teach the word of God and put his power and his anointing within their reach so that they can understand it and attain it for themselves and they will get it. Once the Holy Ghost is poured out, there's nothing else that we need to do. God, God will handle. I, I'm, I'm not discounting the, the importance of encouraging when we're around the altars and, and praying for people. I agree with that. I, hold, I do that myself. But again, we, you don't have to help the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is, is more than enough. These men and women that we read about that flooded the streets and they were so under the power of the Holy Ghost that people began to mock them and say that they were drunk. And so Peter, he answered this and said, they're, they're not drunk, as you suppose. This is not some fermented wine from the vineyards. It wasn't the intoxication that they had seen many times before. It, it wasn't that kind of spirit that they had seen before from fortune tellers and the soothsayers. No, 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 this, this was something different, something real and powerful. It was tangible. They could feel it in the streets. They could feel it in the city. And Peter began to tell them in verse 16 where we read, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. This is not a Baptist thing. Not a Methodist thing. Not a Catholic thing. I'll even tell you tonight, it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a spirit thing. It's a Holy Ghost thing. It's not given to an organization. It's not given to a denomination. And I say that respectfully. I'm proud of the organization we're a part of, but this is given to all flesh. White flesh, black flesh, red flesh, brown flesh, yellow flesh. It's, it's for everybody. It's for the rich. It's for the poor. It's for the young. It's for the old. It's for the male. It's for the female. And there are only two requirements that we got to be to receive the Holy Ghost. Number one, you got to be flesh. And number two, you got to be thirsty. 
David said in Psalm 63 and 1, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What David is saying here is he said, I have a thirst that nothing in this world can quench. This world is a dry and desert land and it'll leave me parched and furthermore leave me dead. Let me put a pause right here and say to our young people, I know at this time in your life, and you, I, I, I know you see the gray hair, and you probably think that I never was a young, a young man, but I was. I was a young man, and I took part in the world and walked away from the church, and I can tell you this from the experience. It's fun. The parties are great. The friends are great. But when it's all done with, the world is going to chew you up and spit you out, and if you allow me to say this, they're going to regurgitate you and puke you up on the ground and allow you to lay right there and die. That's why it's so important that we have the Holy Ghost, that we be filled full to the brim with the Spirit of God, and allow God to move in every service. If we, if we have a thirst, a continual thirst, every service, we'll have a passion and a pursuit for God. We'd never have to worry about an off service. Because when you're thirsty for the Lord, he'll open up heaven every time. I, Isaiah had that kind of thirst in, in verse, chapter 64 and verse 1. He said, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens that thou wouldest come down, that thou the mountains might flow down at thy presence. We read about these 120 men and women who shut themselves up in an upper room and declared that they wouldn't leave until the rain came. They declared by their presence and their persistence that they were drought stricken, they were thirsty, and they needed this promise that God had told them before he left that he would send the comforter. After days of waiting and praying and knocking on heaven's door and, and declaring their thirst and their desire to be filled with the Spirit, heaven responds. The Bible tells us that there came a sound from heaven, not from, not from a synagogue, not from scribes and Pharisees, not from the supermarket or to the television or the internet, but it come from heaven. It was known instantly that something holy and divine and supernatural was taking place. The Bible says it came as a mighty rushing wind. It arrived with intensity and it came with power. It didn't just drift in like some summer breeze, but it blasted through the house like a tornado and it filled all the house where they were sitting. See, there is a realm and a dimension in the presence of glory of God that does not just come with a touch but it will literally envelop you and the very atmosphere around you will become thick. I know I'm speaking to some people tonight who have perhaps been at these altars or perhaps you've been alone in your prayer room closet and the power of God is so thick that you find yourself almost in a frozen state. You, you can't move. You, you try to move forward and God's there. You try to move backwards and God's there. He's all around you. It's the power and everywhere you turn, you bump into God. There is a presence of God that is so heavy, so tangible, and so powerful. We, we hear of that in 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 13. And it came even to pass as the trumpeteers and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. And here, verse 14, so that the priest 
could not stand to minister. The preacher couldn't even preach for the cloud. The glory of the Lord was so great that it filled the house of God. Isaiah spoke of that when he said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train filled his temple. Then it goes to say the house was filled with smoke and the doorpost shook at his voice. When the glory of God comes, he doesn't just come to touch us and, and make us feel good. He comes to fill us and to transform us. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the touch that we sometimes receive at this altar in an altar call service when we're praying. I'm thankful for the touch that I feel when ministers lay their hands on me. But what I want and what I need more than anything in my life is the power of the Holy Ghost to transform me, to make me a new man. Cloven tongues like a fire, the Bible says, set upon them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit give the utterance. And that's a powerful passage of Scripture. And when you try to place yourself there, you can only imagine of how miraculous it must have been. People speaking in tongues everywhere. And what concerns me in the church today is that we're not seeing many people filled with the Holy Ghost. Stay with me now. I'm not being critical. I'm, I'm, I'm just preaching truth. We see people seek and seek and seek and never, never get the Holy Ghost. We see people seek, get the Holy Ghost, get up from here and walk out that door and we never see them again. And we say, well, what, what's going on? What, what, what's taking place here? And I, I believe as a church, hear me now, I, I believe as a church, as the body of Christ, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? why? Why is this happening? I know what you're thinking. Jerry, they, maybe they didn't repent. You know, you, you're not going to be filled with the Holy Ghost until you fully repent. Maybe they didn't repent. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they got the Holy Ghost, but once they got home, they just feel like they couldn't live up to this standard of what the Bible asks us to do. You know, and the, the list could go on and on. It could be this or that, and, and that's true. And that is a, a possibility. I, I understand that. But I think we have to take a hard search and a look at ourselves and ask, are we doing everything that we can to create an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can move and do what it's designed to do? Or, or perhaps maybe we're holding back. Perhaps we're checking our watch sometimes and it's, uh, I need to quench this a little bit and slow this down because we've got to get to the restaurant by 12.15. Are we just satisfied with this small, quick burst, this little, this little good shot of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning where we can get on to the house? And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just being touched, not just a blessing, but I, I want to be full, full to the brim saturated, overwhelmed by the power of God. I tell you why I've got to, I don't know about you and if, if maybe this is my, it is my shortcoming, but I got to get all the Holy Ghost I can on Sunday morning and Wednesday night because when I go out them doors out there, all hell breaks loose on me and I need every bit of Holy Ghost I can to make it through and I, I want to be a part of the move of the Holy Ghost the way the old timers would talk about it. I see some gray hair in here today, and I say that respectfully. 
But you, you could, at the conclusion of tonight's service, I believe I could sit down by Sister Yavane or Sister Betty or some others and, and ask, tell me about some miracles that you've seen. People so full of the Holy Ghost. I remember this as a child. People so full of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and a laughing spirit come on to them for hours in this sanctuary, not some other church. I'm talking about this church. And somebody have to help them to a car. I remember those times. We... we we cannot be effective in the Lord's work without being full of the power. And we can't be full of the power without being full of the Spirit. We're not qualified. We're not qualified till we're full. If you're going to step into a hospital room with someone that's sick and infirmity and need to be lifted up, you're going to have to be full of the Holy Ghost for that miracle to take place. If there's somebody that comes down to this altar with this bound and oppressed and needs to be delivered and need the Holy Ghost, a half-filled Christian can't sit, kneel down here and help them. you got to be full of the Holy Ghost to help. We, we can't work in the kingdom and be productive unless we're full. The early apostles knew the importance of this when it came to ministering to neglected widows and people such as them. The apostles said in Acts 6 and 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honor's report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Well, what's the business? The business is waiting on tables and serving people. They needed some men full of the Holy Ghost that could step away from the preaching and teaching for a minute and go serve some people. They started out waiting on tables. But a few verses down, if you'll continue to read, in Acts 6 and 8, Stephen's full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Full. He was full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, and full of power. You read on down to Acts 8 and 4, it says another one of those Holy Ghost filled table waiters named Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto them and the people gave heed with one accord to the things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost. Philip, full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus knew that we would have to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's why he said in Luke 24, you need to be done. He told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise from this power that comes from on high. Second Kings Chapter 4, we'll find where Elijah instructs this widow woman to pour her oil into an empty vessel and to keep pouring until that vessel is filled. And then, then he instructs her to set those vessels to the side full. Set them, set them apart from the rest. If there's some that's half full or empty, I don't want you to keep them with the full ones. Set them apart. They were in a category of their own. In other words, they, they were because they were full, they were, they were different. They were separated. And that's what I'm preaching to us tonight at Hatchpin Apostolic Church about it. It's time for us to get into a, another category, to set ourselves apart. We're kind of like an iPhone. We're kind of like an iPhone or a Samsung phone. We've been on the charger for a while, and we see that charge bar growing, and we're about to hit full charge. And I'm going to tell you, the devil is trying to do everything he can to discourage us and tell us that we can't move and operate in the Holy Ghost. Sickness has swept through this community, has swept through our church, creating fear and doubt in us. And the devil, he's laughing as hard as he can. But I've come to tell you, he's a liar from the pits of hell because we can move. We can operate in the Holy Ghost the way the apostles did. Peter, Peter being full of the Holy Ghost, boldness, full of power, 
lifts up his voice and declares, this is that. This is what Joel prophesied about. He said it would come in the last days. I've heard it all my life. We living in the last days. The day of Pentecost, it, it, when it began, the last days begin. We're, we're living in Joel's prophecy. In other words, this is that. Begin to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And from that day until now, the church has been marching forward, functioning in supernatural power. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. But the question I ask myself, and I believe we need to ask ourselves tonight as a church, and I'll draw my title from this, where's that at? The miracles, the signs, the wonders. Where's that at? What are we doing? How are we preparing ourselves to move and operate in the Holy Ghost the way the early church did? We believe and profess that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If that's so, and we know it's so, I'm asking, I'm not criticizing. Where are the signs and wonders? Where are the people by the multitude in the altars seeking for the Holy Ghost? And I believe that we have the right to ask that question. Because Gideon did in Judges 6 and 13. He said, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of, told of us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And I am sure and confident tonight that the Lord has not forsaken us. And But what I think Gideon was trying to say is the same thing. Where's that at? Where's the miracles? Where's the signs? Where's the wonders? Where's the men and women being filled with the joy and the spirit of the Holy Ghost? Again, I promise I'm not being critical and, and stay with me. And if I offend anybody, you please see me after church and I'll get on my knees and apologize. But it's been a long time since I stepped into a church sanctuary 30 minutes before church and heard people at the altar pouring their hearts out and crying like babies before church starts. Does that mean we already have everything we need? Does that mean we got just enough Holy Ghost and we don't need no more? I remember, I, I can remember this old white building when it was still up. They had made a couple of rooms, prayer rooms. Brother Everett, you'll remember this. And I, I can remember preachers coming through and they'd pray over there for hours until church started before they took the pulpit. And when they come, when they come, they brought a message and, and they would preach fire from heaven. And I, I, I remember those days. And I'm preaching to myself tonight. I, I'm going to tell you, I've got to do better. I've got to do better. I'm, I'm not telling you this. I'm not telling you this for empathy or sympathy or to be even to boast. But I, I'm very aware and I'm sure you are. The Lord deals with people in all sorts of different ways. For me... It's sleep deprivation. I, I, I can't sleep. My mind is racing and running in the Lord. I pray and, and pray and I, I read and study. And I, I said, Lord, what, what is it? And for the last three or four months of my life, maybe six months, it's been the worst it has been in all of my 49 years. I, I can't sleep. And I'm asking God, why? Why? And he says, God tells me where there's hunger and passion. If we will develop a hunger and a passion that we would go through anything, lay anything aside just to be in the presence. There's some people in here that can tell you some stories about working all day, hooking up a team of mules and riding five miles to church 
to have a revival service. They'd stay there till midnight, go home and do it all over again the next day. And that could go on for five or six weeks at a time. Just, just depended on how long the Spirit of the Lord moves. And I'm not throwing rocks because I live in a glass house, but I'm concerned. And I think we should be concerned as a church. Where is the fire of God that used to burn in men and women and cause them to pray for hours in these altars before we would dismiss? There was a day when we didn't have to wonder what was sin because it was preached hard and hot from this pulpit what sin was. Where, where Joel said, where, where's our young people that's prophesying? I'm going to tell you something. And I, I, I mean this respectfully because we got the greatest group of young people that the world has ever seen. And this is not no diminish on them, but they're a small group. I mean, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? We have a small group of young people. Well, we always proclaim that they're our future. They're the ones that, it should the Lord tarry, they're the ones that's going to carry this on. We need some young people, ladies and gentlemen. We need God to send some families with some children. And we need to be on our face before God asking him, if the Lord should not come back, if we don't get some young people in this church and if they don't start developing some things, this church, I know this is the Lord's church. Hear what I'm saying. But there has to be somebody here to carry on. We need, Joel said and Peter quoted him, when this is that gets here. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. He said there would be visible wonders in heaven above and on the earth and there would be visible signs of blood and fire and vapor and smoke and there would be a great need of harvest and souls. And I'll tell you, uh, again, I'm, I'm being repetitive, but we, we all can see the writing on the wall. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. We, we in it. We in the last days, and he's coming, and he's, he has proclaimed and, and done. It's been prophesied. It's written in this word. He's going to pour out his spirit, but I'm telling you, for us to experience that and to be a part of that, we've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to be full, full, full of the Holy Ghost. Some may say, Jerry, well, we're not supposed to spend our our walk with the Lord or our Christian life just running around seeking and following signs. And, and I, I understand that. But my Lord, if you're, if you're on the road long enough, you need to see a sign every now and then to tell you that you're still on the right road. I've driven all across this southeastern part of this country thousands and thousands of miles. There's been times I've traveled unfamiliar roads and I wasn't sure I was on the right road. I've got my navigator sitting over here in the right telling me that I'm lost. I said, Jenny, I ain't lost. I know exactly where we're at. Knowing the whole time I ain't got a foggy clue. <laughs> telling me to turn the GPS on. Well, I don't need no GPS. And then a sign that reassures, confirms that I'm right where I thought I was supposed to be. I, I'm not lost. That sign told me that I was on the right road. And if we're on the right road, the Bible tells us we should be seeing some signs and wonders. Let me go a little further. The Bible actually says signs should follow every true believer. They ought to be following us around. When somebody steps through this door with, in this pandemic or, or an infirmary, whatever it may, may be, we need to be able to step to them with the anointing oil of God and pray and without fear, without doubt, with all the faith that we have, knowing that God will deliver them and heal them. 
I believe we're in the last days and the power, the power of God has not diminished and it's not changed. God has not changed his mind. But if we, the church, are not careful, we'll become lazy, selfish, and worldly. And if we're going to see another visitation of Pentecost and Pentecostal power, the church has got to get back to the upper room. We, we, we got to go up. We got to shake ourselves loose from the gravity pull of worldliness and indifference and the apathy. We've got to shake ourselves loose from this worry and this anxiety and this fearfulness. We've got to close the door behind us in our prayer room, wherever that may be, and get down to business with God. Cry out till all of heaven hears us. Cry out and refuse to quit till the earth shakes. We're waiting for God to come down and visit us and pour out this latter rain that I'm preaching about. And the whole time, God's waiting on us. Because he said, if you draw nine to me, I'll draw nine to you. So when are we going to see that which Joel prophesied and Peter proclaimed? I'll tell you when. When we can't stand it anymore. When we refuse to be refused when we when we hold ourselves to the standard of the word of God when the when the thought of the sick and the afflicted and the bound and the oppressed leaving our churches in the same way that they come in that we, we'll get driven to our knees then and when we pull ourselves away from ball games and television and internet and cell phones and get along with God we'll pull on heaven and when we refuse to let go until the blessing comes, I, I want to be like Jacob and say, Lord, I will not let you go until you pour your spirit out on me and fill me full. Where is that at? That, that's where that at is. It's, it's being in the presence of God. That's where it's at. It's wherever hungry people cry out to God and refuse to be pacified or satisfied with anything less than the presence and the power of God. I said it a couple of Sundays ago and I'll say it again. The fire will fall when the wood is wet. Please, please bear with me. I know I'm sounding a little old-fashioned, but most of our altars haven't had a teardrop on them in a long time. And truthfully, there are many churches that we walk into, even across our fellowship, where they're not even altars anymore. One of the greatest revivalists, if you don't hear anything I say tonight, I want you to hear this. One of the greatest revivalists, Leonard Ravenhill, once said, if you cannot weep over lost souls, then you weep over the fact that you cannot weep. I can't speak for everyone. And I'm mostly preaching to myself tonight because I'm missing the mark. And I want to do more. I want to be more for the kingdom. And I'm not ashamed to admit it that what I need to do most is to find my way to an old altar and empty my soul out to God crying like a baby until I feel the power of the Holy Ghost as he pours heaven into me and I leave knowing without a shadow of a doubt that God has filled me to the brim, that he has taken this burden and he's strengthened my heart and that he's made me a new man. I'm closing tonight. If our musicians will come, please. But I, I want to leave us with one simple question. Where, where's that at? God said in Jeremiah 33 and 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I still believe and know that God will visit us if we can find our way back to an altar and take hold of the horns of the altar and cry out 
cry out to heaven like I said earlier, like Jacob, and refuse. Crying out to God that I will not let go until you bless me. I don't know about you, but I want that. And it's going to take all of us, all of us pushing together as a church. A few people committed is not going to get us where we need to be. A few people with a consecrated relationship with Jesus Christ is not going to be enough to carry this church up higher. We have got to bind together like never before if we want to see the sickness leave our families, if we want to see our lost loved ones saved, if we want to see those wayward children come home. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to bind together like never before. It's going to take everything we got Everyone committed 110%. And when we step to that river, we've all got to go across it together. We've all got to press one another and push one another to keep on, to keep striving. I, I, I know I've been a bit lengthy. I know I've been a bit lengthy, but, and I'm trying to close, but if you'll give me just a few more minutes. We all know the story of when Joshua carries the children of Israel down to the Jordan River and it's the time has come to cross over they've been in Egypt for 400 years beaten and whipped and had to work like slaves they've had to endure hardships beyond our imagination plagues and pandemics and they finally get out of Egypt they find themselves crossing the Red Sea and they're, they're in the wilderness and and they have to eat manna and they have to drink water from a rock and, and, and God has to carry them and, and guide them and direct them. But here it is. After all of that, they've come to the river and the priests are fixing to put their feet in the water and we're going to step over to the other side. And Gad and Reuben say, wait a minute. I don't think we want to go. This, this is pretty good back here. We can raise our cattle on it. It's good for our families. What's the need to go over? Are you kidding me? We've come this far in everything we've been through. That would be the equivalent of us getting to the gates of heaven and saying, that's all right, Lord. I'll just watch you from outside here. I can see the streets of gold. I can see the walls of Jasper. I'm good right here. Reuben. I, I can understand Reuben because his own father said that he's weak as water. He won't fight. He's lazy. I, I can see Reuben, Brother Larry, why, why he don't want to go. But Gad... He's one of the strongest tribes. Bible says he has a face like a lion. Warrior. He's exactly what Israel needs. They stand at the river and, no, I'm good. I'm good right here. A chance to go into the promised land that flows with milk and honey. To live in houses that they don't have to build. To live in cities that they don't have to build. No. I, I believe I'll just stay on this side. You got the weakest tribe and the strongest tribe. And they've agreed together that they're not going to go over. 
And I said, well, you know, how does this happen? I'll tell you how it happens. I, I get to reading. When God would move the children of Israel and they'd set up the tabernacle, they would camp by twos, north, south, east, west, face the tabernacle. And you know who camped together for 40 years? Reuben and Gad. 40 years around the campfires. 40 years the strong sitting with the weak. 40 years the weak pulling down the strong when it should have been the strong pulling the weak. And now they get to the promised land and decide, I've had enough. This is good enough for me. I, I, I don't want to go. Gad, face like a lion, a warrior. He's allowed the weak one, Reuben, to convince him that the promised land is not all that it's cracked up to be. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time that we stand flat-footed, square on our shoulders and say to the devil, no more. No more. Come here, Brother Larry. It's time we take somebody by the hand and if I'm weak and I will get weak, we've got to grab the weak and we've got to pull them across the river. There'll be days when, when I'll be strong and I want to be the one to, get, to help pull across the river. But we can't be satisfied with where we're at. We've got a good church. Please don't misunderstand me tonight. I'm, I'm not inclining that, that this is not a good church and that we don't feel the Holy Ghost or any of that. That's not what I'm saying. But we're, we've settled, ladies and gentlemen. We've kind of settled in a rut, if I may say that. And God wants more for us. He expects more from us. He knows we're capable of more. And we've got to bind together like never before. Lock arm and arm, shoulder and shoulder and say, we're going to cross the river together. We're going to get to where God wants us to be together. If my brother's weak, I'm going to help him out. If my sister's weak, we're going to pull on through, but together. And when we do this together, would you stand with me across the house? When we make a commitment to bind together with cords that cannot be broken, I'm telling you, those children that are lost, that you think there's no hope for, they're coming home. That husband that you think is lost and he's, he's never, ever going to come to church with you. When we bind together, ladies and gentlemen, he will be here and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Those family members, those friends, those lost loved ones. When we fall on our face before God, when we bind together as a church, as the body of Christ, oh, God can do the miraculous with us. He can do the miraculous through us. I know it's a Wednesday night, but can we take some time and can we call out to God? Can we call out to God tonight? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.